Are you stressed and filled with anxiety like I am? Maybe in a bit of pain from that car accident you had a few years ago? Well, the sponsor of today's episode, Hempville CBD, has us covered. They have the highest quality products created by chemists and doctors. Hempville carries everything from CBD to THC dispensary grade without those despicable dispensary prices. Order your Delta 8, 9, edibles, and vapes along with the THCA flower and get free shipping when you spend $50 or more at HempvilleCBD.com. Check out the link in the description for more details. Welcome to the Filmsteins, the double feature podcast. Join us as we unravel the interwoven experience of the continuous conversation of cinema. Take part in pairing movies with their cursed counterparts, movies that share DNA, or even pairing questionable duos by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash We offer tiers at the $1, $5, and $20 level, where the $5 tier will grant the ability to request films to further the discussion. So grab some popcorn, sit back, and get ready to join the 100-year conversation. This is the Filmsteins, where movies are more than just inner entertainment they're an experience and welcome back to another episode of the film steins thank you for joining us today i'm joined today by my unjust friend lucy hello everyone unjust unjust <laughs> all right i guess i guess you can join us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for brand new episodes of the Film of Steins. Some recent episodes include our 20 most anticipated films of 2024, our first episode of our new series covering rumors and topics, our analysis of The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snacks, and District 9. Oh yeah, and of course, Barry Jenkins' Moonlight. And today we are covering another Barry Jenkins film, If Beale Street could talk. Please enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) Barry Jenkins had two films back-to-back in his filmography get nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. That's pretty crazy, right? That's pretty impressive. I feel like that doesn't happen very often with, you know, not super big names like Spielberg. Yeah, I'd wonder if that has ever happened with Steven Spielberg, actually. Yeah. He, well, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but he seems like he gets nominated at every Oscars I watch. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. That's fine. I mean, I, I have no idea because I'll continue to die on the hill that Steven Spielberg has lost his touch entering the, the 2000s. So I, 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 and I haven't kept up with the Oscars that much. So I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, that's where my, uh, my knowledge lacks. Actually, it lacks everywhere, but I don't know much about the Oscars besides who actually won. Yeah, we're we're getting close. I'm getting excited for Oscar season. Do you think the nominations get announced at the end of December? I'm pretty sure. So oh. We're closing in on them. It is December. But today we have more important matters to discuss. The very acclaimed film, I guess, If Bill Street Could Talk. I'm very curious what you have to say about this film because it sounds like we are maybe living in each other's camps and Moonlight. You didn't like Moonlight as much as me. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't think I liked If Bill Street Could Talk as much as you. I I agree. So it changed my mind. <laughs> well, I definitely really enjoyed this film 
way more than Moonlight. And even after talking about Moonlight, I thought maybe I would have them kind of close to each other. But then doing my research on this film, I, I can confidently say I do enjoy this way more than Moonlight. I really liked and just appreciate how much love went into this movie. Not only from a production point of view, but from the topic itself of the film. There was just a lot of just a lot of love for love's sake in this movie, and I really like that. It's a romance film, yes, but I still think that there's way more than just romance. If that makes sense. Sure, yeah, the there's a interesting backdrop with this kind of almost so warm to a sappiness. Yes. At first at first glance at least, but you're it's on the backdrop of Fani being unjustly arrested. Yeah. That's a okay. And mm-hmm. we're focusing on Tish, not Fani, not Fani's right. family. We're focusing right. on We're focusing on her dedication yeah. to this relationship and her life. How I guess how it feels on the other side of it. N- normally movies would focus on him. They would focus on Fani and or the the legality of the situation. Yeah, we're, yeah, exactly. But uh, I like that fresh, for me at least, perspective. And the cinematography in this film is, is stunning. I mean, it's as stunning as Moonlight. I think it's the same guy, James Laxton. He did Moonlight. He did If Beale Street Could Talk. And it looks like he's also doing the um, Mufasa. Whatever that means, yeah. What do you mean? It's a CG movie. Oh, that's funny. Okay. But he definitely has a style, so he'll they'll be able to capture some of that for sure. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, unless Disney just tries to neuter everyone that's has any kind of ounce of creativity. I hope not. I I mean this this movie sounds very promising. And it'd be really hard to fuck it up, but leave it to Disney to fuck it up. Just some of the warm colors that were in this film and a lot of the close ups. Oh my god, there were so many close ups. Um just were captured really well. The performances were great, and I really like the parents' performance performances, both Tish's parents and Fani's parents. But, I mean, everyone else did a pretty amazing job in this film. I didn't know it was an adaptation of a book, and based on what you told me, it sounds like a really successful adaptation in the sense of he went with what he felt and his inspiration yeah it reminds me of the shining in that way because it it became a very character driven movie versus a book that encompassed kind of a little bit more of um a situation yeah yeah so i i will say off the top i guess that i wish we got more out of the parents i wish we got a little bit off of tish and got the family involved a little bit more because I didn't love our romantic focus. I mean, it's very well done, very well executed. Tish has a very intense, you know, sadness and hopelessness in her slash being hopeful, but like kind of being in a position of like not knowing what to do. Kind of like the Chiron characters and stuff. There's just a silence to them that's really loud, really, in their, in how they feel. But I just didn't, care for 
the story, I guess. I'm not, I just was not on board with this story. That's because you're not a romance guy. I guess not. This is a good test of that. I recognize the crazy level of artistry and production and how it's shot and how people are captured, man. Because the close-ups are nuts. How, yes. Especially, I mean, I'm biased just because I like his face and seeing him as much as I can. But Brian Tyree Henry, you know, Paperboy. Yes. He looks awesome on camera all the time. I don't know what it is about his complexion mm-hmm. or something like even in the godzilla movie that he's in he looks good he looks i'm just good, like yeah. why he's so camera ready to the <laughs> highest degree he's just and then in the dark room when he's when they're smoking and talking about you know him being locked up and stuff and what he went through and stuff and that he didn't even do it. it's just like god damn i thought tish's dad was my favorite i can't remember his name in the in the movie but joseph Brian, joseph yeah yeah joseph was my favorite character yeah, for sure at by the time we got to him yeah, Joseph and Alice, which is Fonny's mom, were my favorite. Okay. Yeah, they were probably my favorites. Yeah, and then Tisha's dad would probably be my second, just because when my that's probably my second favorite performative piece where Tish tells her parents and her sister, yeah, that she's pregnant. That's that's that might be my favorite part, but perf- my favorite overall kind of scene, but my favorite specific performance is probably Brian Tyree. Like, they're awesome. Like, 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10 kind of awesome mm-hmm. sections. But I just, I'm just not here for the movie. It's just, it's so funny. I hate it in me that I don't like this movie more. But it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, you're just, you're just not a romance guy. And you're not a romance film guy because they're still together. You You like it when either someone dies or they're not together. You know, like, um... Uh, La La Land or 500 Days of Summer. There's a little bit of sadness at the end of this film, even though they are still together. You know, it's like they're tired of everything they've had to go through and he's Fonny's still in jail. So I thought that would make you kind of like it, that it's not just a mushy, gushy, they live happily ever after. I absolutely do like that angle because it feels kind of like Moonlight in that way that we're... There isn't a beginning and end to the narrative. We're just kind of taking a snapshot out of these people's lives and seeing what it looks like over the course of these, you know, these few months. Mm-hmm. And then I guess in Moonlight, uh, you know, two decades. But so, so I like the lack of like narrative we got here. Like it's, it's really loose and very just character driven and there's not a lot of point to anything as far as a narrative goes. And I like that a lot. I like that slice of life kind of kind of thing. And I, and like Moonlight too. I like we were saying. I really like that this. It's like caught in a melodramatic way, but it's really not melodramatic. It's just that artsy fartsy camera work coming out. That's really cool. But I, I like the level of romance versus the the unjust that has happened that we don't even really know much about. Yeah. We have to trust Tish and everyone that he was actually unjustly arrested. There's probably a little bit more in the book on that, but mm-hmm. we don't get enough texture to even really form an opinion about the situation other than other than the fact that Fonny's been arrested. You know, we don't can't really get too much. We're not in the jury, we don't we're not seeing any of that, which I really appreciate. Yes. If anything, I wish maybe we got less lawyer and more just family time. We didn't get an awful lot of lawyer, but I didn't like the divergences of 
uh, Tisha's mom going to Puerto Rico and doing that. I didn't really care for all that. Like that, I feel like that we got a little bit lost in the weeds on the situation. But the situation is important at the same time. So I'm just like, oh, it's kind of a that's to some degree what would happen. You know, I don't know. That's I mean, that is kind of melodramatic in a way. Her mom, very melodramatic. Even if it did happen, if it's based on true story, I'm not sure. But it, it, her mom going to Puerto Rico is kind of funny in that. And then I don't know. The, I guess those little divergences really kind of. I, I don't know. I didn't lose me, but they kind of lost me. You know. Mm-hmm. So splitting hairs really because it's still a great production. If this was someone's favorite Barry Jenkins film, which I guess he's only got three, I think. I can't say anything about that. You know, that's awesome. You know, it's just, it's a great movie, no doubt. Yeah, I really like that we focus on Tish, and. Just her rooting for her man. We don't see a lot of that in film. We don't see a lot of the black girl being the one that has to step up in whatever situation she's put in. And I mean, I I, I can't get enough of just the pure love that goes on in this film and just how supportive her mom is, how supportive her dad is, how supportive her sister is, and even how supportive Frank is, which is Bonnie's dad. Oh, yeah. I mean, her mom flew to Puerto Rico. I think that's very important because it, it, it shows not only the love she has for her daughter, but the love she has for Fani. How many mother-in-laws, I mean, I don't I don't know if they ever did get married or not, but when she went to Puerto Rico, I, I don't think they were married. And I know marriage is something that kind of seals the deal for some families to, okay, now you're part of the family. Now I have to help you. But they weren't married here. And the mom flew to Puerto Rico to try to get that um, Victoria lady to come back and fight for Fani. And who does that? I can't tell you of any moms I know that would do that for their daughter's boyfriend. I mean, how many moms or dads would do that for their kid? That's, I mean, that's a big ask. That is a huge (laughs) ask, yeah. Especially in the, what, 70s? Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. So I, I think that that whole bit is super important sure uh you also have you know you have the dad and both dads you have them stealing for tish and fani i mean tish's dad doesn't need to be stealing because the money that they were making for stealing was going towards the lawyer and for sharon to go to puerto rico you know this this wasn't for Tish, really. It was for Fani, like, um, I guess, directly. So it, it's, it's just amazing that you're writing the story to capture that, that kind of whole family, unconditional love. And there's many other scenes where we see this kind of love motif when the store owner stands up for Fani and Tish, when the cop is getting a little too pushy, and probably my favorite scene of all when frank slaps the shit out of alice (laughs) i mean that that whole scene was just so crazy she is cursing literally cursing like not cursing at she's cursing with you know dark magic at an unborn baby that's her grandkid and you know, Frank just comes in and slaps her and is like, what the hell are you, what are you, what are you saying? What are you, what are you doing, woman? I mean, oh God, it's so good. 
And I, I just like that scene because you have two parallels right there. You have the really supportive, unconditional love mother. And then you have the mom who's going to let her beliefs, you know, they're not married. They shouldn't be having sex, so they shouldn't be having a kid. And she's letting those beliefs just poison her thoughts and not even thinking that this kid is is hers. This kid is her family. So I, I, I just, I, I love everything about that scene. And I guess the last bit, we also have that scene with uh, Daniel and um, their interaction there. And that's not, for me, that wasn't exactly a love scene, like a scene where love is the uh driver the crucial point but i i also love that scene um a lot it's one of the more intense scenes here i'm glad you brought it up is that your favorite scene yes that is probably my favorite scene because i like the escalation of it and how it reminds me of that lucas joiner song i can't remember the name of it who <laughs> He's a rapper. Oh, okay. I can't remember the name of that song, but it just gets intense, more and more intense about him, him and his brother or him and his best friend and how his best friend becomes like this, you know, makes lots of money and executive and stuff. And then how he helped him help facilitate the early process of that and how he now needs a little bit of money or something. And his friend just totally ignores him. Oh, damn. And it's like a really intense fucking song. That scene reminded me of that song. But it's either that scene or the one where Tish tells her parents and and her sister Mm -hmm. that are my favorite scenes. Those are definitely my favorite two. And my third is probably that last interaction behind glass where Tish and Fonny are talking where his eyes busted. Where he gets mad? I can't remember if he gets mad, actually, but I like that scene. Yeah, I I like that scene, too, where he's... um he's just he's he's given up he's defeated and that's not his character but it is but it just it it wasn't what i had him pictured as in my head so you know there's some complexity there but going back to that scene with daniel a little bit um this is the first time that i really noticed the intensity of a scene and how louder and louder and louder the score got and i i wish i knew more about instruments and what instrument is playing at that time but apparently there was a lot of trumpets and a lot of uh, brass instruments in this composition which i didn't know that i just know it was something loud but not drums like i can tell you drums and maybe i can tell you a guitar but maybe a piano too but that that's about it but um it was probably the first time i noticed the score in a scene here like i noticed it yeah in the background and it all flowed so well and beautifully that it didn't stick out until here mm-hmm. and just the 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 i don't know what other word to use besides the intensity here and um it made that scene a lot a lot more intense <laughs> Yeah, certainly, and then we got more close-ups. We we got closer and closer to the characters, and you can almost feel Daniel like glisten. He started like sweat almost. Yes. And you know his eyes were tearing up, and it was just—I mean, it's it's the definition of 
an intense scene. Like there's there really is no other way to to describe it. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny because yes, a score should first and foremost not get in the way of the movie, and a great score will basically capture you in such a way that you're just you just are in like total flow mode. It, you know, it's a way to immerse yourself and forget. And it's just kind of a funny feeling when you come across a scene like that and it just escalates and escalates and escalates. And that, I don't know, that's, that's very cool that you noticed that. I, I noticed that, I guess, because I noticed it for the first time at some point and now I notice it, you know? So I guess that you just no going back now. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to notice it more. Yeah. Well, not more because uh, it's 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 a rare thing so notice it when it's very well done yeah 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 i i i also thought this scene was very scary almost frightening how he looked daniel i you, you said his actor name like a few times but yeah he looks brian tyree Han, henry he looks scary here i don't know it's oh it's so it's so weird because he looks scary but he looks so sad, so you want to give him a hug. But how do you comfort someone that's been through what he just went through? And, you know, Fawny, how does Fawny even react to that? So I'm kind of glad Tish comes in and breaks the uh, the tension there. Yeah, that's just one of many signs of a great storyteller, especially a visual storyteller. And just a great use of, I guess, naturalism in general. Because a, a lesser filmmaker would have kind of put a pin on that by making a joke or being like, you know what, let's go out and get a drink or something. Or maybe even making them hug or something that's just not really the point here. Yeah, but instead we got something that naturally elevated and only accelerated because when's the last you know daniel's probably been thinking about this for how long how long has he been out like three days is that what he said yeah not very long he's been this has been eating him alive for years now he was he was locked up for like two years or three years or something like two years i think yeah so he funny very well might be the very first person that he's able to vent to in this way and so it's captured in a really great way for sure and then you know yeah tish you know pulling up you know, it's the kind of situation where, like, she's like, oh, what are you guys talking about? And, you know, they're like, oh, nothing. You know, just being boys, <laughs> you know? Nothing. Did you bring any more beer, woman? <laughs> yeah, some, you know, st- like, that's, that happens. Yeah. All the time, you know, like, when you're talking, you're gossiping or something, you're talking about something, someone comes in, and then you get real quiet. Because mm-hmm. it interrupts the, the, the whole flow of the situation. So, it's, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's a star, star yeah scene of the the movie for sure not to mention i think at this point we already know that daniel is back in the system i think the lawyer lets us know so the audience knows that he's back in so i i think for me that made that made the scene even even more intense (laughs) and it's crazy yeah i think shortly after that we see Fonny with his busted eye and everything you're just like man it, it it keeps we all know i guess because we've seen other movies we've seen scared straight and other cop shit i should say you know what what can happen behind bars and stuff and but they keep it at arm's length and it's kind of left up to your imagination though all the same yeah and then tish never asks him what happened yeah 
what they do to you. She knows. And this is not the time or place to talk about it. You know, that needs to be on his terms kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's another scene that I'm struggling with how to feel about it. Besides other than it was funny, but I know it wasn't supposed to be funny. So maybe you can help me place it. But it's the scene when the mom goes to Puerto Rico to find Victoria. And she's trying to convince her. She shows her a picture of Bonnie and Tish. And she's trying to convince her to, you know, come back and help. And then the mom touches her kind of close to her um, her neck and her chest where she has a, a cross. And I don't know what she says to her, but she touches her. And then Victoria just goes crazy. Like, why are you touching me? You know, and, and we know she got raped. So I don't know. It felt like it should have been an intense scene, but it was it was just kind of funny to me. Like, why would you touch her? And then she just, I, I don't know, she goes crazy and leaves her and now she, they're fucked. She, she's not coming <laughs> back to yeah. help. It was kind of silly. It was weird that she touched her too. That was kind of strange. But I mean, I can't help but to say Victoria's a fucking baby. <laughs> yeah. And then she said, I can tell you've never been raped. And like, okay. This is got just playing the victim all over it. You know, like you're. I'm now all of a sudden. I'm all of a sudden not sure if you've been raped. <laughs> I was. We were. We were on your side, you know. But now we're not. <laughs> this outburst is a little childish. So I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it was. It was a little silly. Yeah. Okay. I think it's hard not to laugh at that. So my reaction was appropriate. And based off of Tish's mom's response, I don't think we're supposed to be laughing. Oh. At this either. This might be a little bit of a fluke in our psyche or filmmaking. We're supposed to feel bad because I don't, you know, we we know she's not lying about being raped, but we don't, we know she, she doesn't even know who raped her. And maybe there's a joke there on all black people look the same to, to non-black people, to non-black people. Mm -hmm. Okay. Maybe. So we're, we're, you know, yes, feel sorry for victims, but that was just, I don't know. That was it. Was it out of place? I don't know. The it's, mom was just trying to reach out. <laughs> it's a little weird because it also comes across like it's a little bit of it's a little bit making fun of people who you know get wronged in some way or another, and then everyone who gets in their way has to pay because it's everyone's fault. Because I'm the victim. It feels I can't get away from it looking funny. Okay. I really can't. But because of the mom, because the mom acted that way. I can't help but to believe that it's supposed to be a little bit more intense. Maybe if she didn't scream, it would have helped not make it so ridiculous. Yes. Maybe if she just would have like backed up and just, you know, maybe some silent tears coming out. Yeah. And just kept backing up and backing up. But yeah. the screaming, that's probably what got me. Because it just... I mean, the screaming screams someone who's just trying to get attention. Doesn't scream. It doesn't mean anything else. It, it just that's what a three-year-old does. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not yeah. because they're in pain, but because they're not getting their way. Because something is messing with their three-year-old emotions. But nothing is happening to her here. No one's, no one's asking her to do anything besides come back and testify. 
It's not like they're asking her to, I don't know, meet him. Yeah, but she, but something is happening. She's being, she's being so-called accused of the situation even happening in her eyes. Gotcha. That's what's happening. And she's being accused of accusing the wrong man. Yeah, she feels like she's being attacked, and this is a very victimhood, you know, problem. It feels like I can't get away from the fact that it feels like she's a little Twitterite getting messed with by someone who <laughs> is not afraid to stand up to these, you know, fucking marginalized people online type thing. It's what it looks like. But it's funny because this book is from... I don't know, whenever James Baldwin wrote it, I don't know if that particular part is even in it, I guess, but it may help. It may just be part of the movie to help sell it. Yeah, uh, the the book is from 1974. Okay, so right when the movie takes place. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So I, I'm going to stand on laughing here. That was my reaction. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. There was also another scene around the same time there that also confused me. I didn't laugh at it, but that one was just confusing in general, was when the mom, which is a visually pleasing scene, no doubt about that, but it's when the mom is looking at us and she's, she has the wig on and she's just kind of uh, sadly staring at us and then she takes it off. But then when she goes sees Victoria, she has the wig. So I don't know. I was, I was confused about that. See, when the book was written... Racial tensions in the United States were very high. I can't help but to believe that there's something racially motivated about little bits and pieces like that, including the one with Victoria, maybe. That there is something there, but I'm not I'm not exactly sure what it is. Is she trying to conceal her her blackness? Mm-hmm. That she has, you know, curly hair? Because, you know, I guess people will do they feel like this, these small things kind of protect them from other people knowing, even though I guess people know. But I guess out of sight, out of mind kind of thing, too, though. You know, if you're constantly reminded about something you hate, but you can easily just conceal it, maybe you won't be reminded. The other person won't be reminded or something. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's That was a little weird, too. Yeah, at first I thought it was a a point about being authentic and probably about to have a very real and authentic conversation with Victoria. So she took the wig off to be herself. But I think she still has the wig when she goes and sees her. So I scratched that. And I also don't think this movie is all that symbolic in that way, like Moonlight is. Not that it's trying to be. I think it's a much more one-note kind of movie. And purposefully so, of course. Uh, At least the movie is that the book. I imagine kind of. I don't know. I would imagine it focuses a little bit more on the injustice, the racial tension, and the romance. Mm -hmm. Versus here, we pretty much just get the romance. We hardly have any racial tension. We hardly have any investigation of the unjust, which is good. Yeah, I guess we have the racial tension in the background. The it's more. I guess it's more kind of implied, especially because of the times and like them not getting their apartment. You know, mm-hmm, yeah. but we don't see it. Yeah. We just know that you don't get an apartment because yeah. they tell us. Which makes me like the movie a lot more because it doesn't feel like it's trying to say everything. It's really, it's really focused. It's a highly focused movie. Mm-hmm. And, and saying this movie's kind of one note, I think is a positive in this situation, which just makes me, 
I d- it makes me wish more that we would have focused a little bit more on Tish and the family and less of anything around the the ingest of it. Although I do like the whole meeting at the bar with their the dads and then they you know they plot going to steal shit and selling and stuff and that wouldn't have happened without the having to pay the lawyers and everything. So yeah. that, but so that the means to the end there is nice, but I don't know. And I think another point of this movie is the resilience of this community. We need that injustice to have that resilience. Sure, absolutely. And I read, or I, I heard, I guess, in an interview, Barry Jenkins said that this movie was about love and pure love and, and joy, but how that love and joy can be um, taken away from you at any moment. He said taken away? I think so. I would have said challenged if I was him. Ooh, <laughs> challenged. Now you challenged, yeah. Barry. Because <laughs> you can love from afar. Don't let us forget. You know, you don't need you don't need to be around someone for a million years and you can still love them. See, that's your problem with romance movies. Oh, that's your problem. I see. I see. No, you need them here. You okay? Yeah, sure. You can love from <laughs> far away, but no, you want to be you want to be breathing in each other's air. You I know? see. I see. That's, yeah. That's your issue. Yeah. I'm too ethereal. You're, yeah. I'm not, I'm not grounded enough. Exactly. In the romance. (laughs) (laughs) There, um, besides the mom's mirror scene with the wig, there were some other shots that I really enjoyed. Um, there was a really cool shot when Fawny is walking back to his apartment, I think. And he's right before he's about to bump into Daniel. And then they have that big moment. It was as he's walking, there's this like giant apartment uh, building and he looks like he's an ant. And it just looked really visually stunning. He just looks so small, which how he's, you know, he's about to feel that when he gets wrongfully taken. There's also the scene when the cop is walking towards them. After Tish gets verbally assaulted by that guy and Fonny kicks him out of the store and the cop's walking and he's all fuzzy. He's not in focus. And then when he's really close, we get this big focus close up shot of his face. I really like that. And then there's a lot of close ups on Tish and Fonny, but some of my favorite ones are Fonny close ups and when he's smiling. And he's really up close and he's smiling and it's just like pure goofiness and teenage in love. It's so good. It's so tender and I really like him. And I don't know if I've ever noticed quite this many shots in a film. Hmm. Hopefully we're unlocking something in you. Hopefully. Or this is just a movie where I was on point watching it. (laughs) I don't know. Does Do I have to enjoy the movie a lot to notice this? Because um, I'm sure Moonlight had a lot of these things. Yeah, and you noticed a lot of them. But I, I didn't click with them. You didn't I click didn't, with them? Okay. I didn't absolutely enjoy them and praise them like I am with this film. That's one way you know a film really kind of talks to you. is when all those pieces kind of fall together in the right way. 
It sounds like a proper high level, highly rated movie in your mind. You might have to recalibrate your entire rating system now because of this. Yes. Or film, you know, I'm sure there have been a couple other films that are in this boat, but. Yes, for sure. Because um, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about my letterbox score in a bit, but uh, I had a, I had a problem with it because I, I would think about other films that I've given other scores to and now I'm <laughs> fucked. I also noticed a lot of the colors in the movie and a lot of the warm colors, a lot of browns, a lot of yellows. Um, Tish wears a lot of outfits that are light, but they're not white. They're an off-white or mm-hmm. they're a really pale yellow. And, um, and greens. And greens, yeah, but not... um know forest greens they're still kind of on the yellow green side and again i um i think i was just really focused here that um i noticed a lot of these characteristics in the movie and even the bricks behind fawny at the jail cell or i guess not his jail cell but um when they have that glass between them i don't know what you call that center visitor center at a jail yeah Yeah. i don't know uh even those were yellow behind him i was like wow okay a lot of warmness a lot of love a lot of purity here and i mean amazing film how it just tied everything together there's a lot of color theory artists out there working in film for sure but and they're all a little bit different there's so few of them i should say that they they all really have their own flavor and wild degrees and that kind of thing makes me a little bit more a little bit even more curious about Mufasa, Barry Jenkins' next film, because I don't know if Disney's worked with a filmmaker quite as <laughs> flamboyant and creative as Barry Jenkins in a while, at least. I'm not gonna get started on this, but it's just it's gonna be that's gonna be one of the biggest nut punches if they if they got if, to him if they get to him, <sighs> and if it's the check. And he's and it's just one and out with Disney. All right, Barry, you do you, man. Yes, I'm fine with that. We are in agreement for selling out. Selling out. We are in agreement of selling out. Yeah, sell out where it matters yes. and where it makes sense for yes. sure, for sure. But yeah, of course, this kind of stuff reminds me of do the right thing because that that feels warm in a different reason, in a different way, I should say, in that it feels hot. Feels that that movie feels mm-hmm. very hot intentionally so i you know if you watch it you already know i didn't know there were colors associated with family and connection and stuff you know because they they i don't know they managed to tie that in in a really sensible way mm-hmm. it's crazy yeah it's it, it's everywhere i mean even the chair where the dad's sitting is that kind of green and later we see i think tish wearing that green as a sweater and oh my god it was awesome i think you'd find this interesting but in that interview i saw Barry Jenkins mentions that it took him 10 days to write the script for Moonlight, but it took him five weeks to write the script for this one, which I thought was really interesting. And he also said how Moonlight was just, I don't think he used the word simple. That's just what I'm, I'm translating. I think Moonlight's a little bit more of a natural story to tell. I think it's got, I think it's very much a very linear story to tell. And I think that probably helps with writing because especially if he's at the same time thinking about shot lists at all, I, I can't even fucking imagine because if Bill Street Could Talk is not linear. So thinking like sure. literally how it's told, 
that we jump around through through time. So, and then wanting to do someone like James Baldwin justice is probably a lot of weight. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's one of the most important writers of the last 100 years. So I can't imagine that not having some major impact. And I guess also knowing, well, I'm not sure when he wrote this. Did he write it before or after Moonlight? Or He the... wrote this immediately after. Writing Moonlight or the release? He wrote this immediately after writing Moonlight. Okay. so like he the next day. That's awesome. He didn't even know about the success that was about to come. No. That's cool. Because I was going to say, after the success of Moonlight, knowing the weight of that, it's just it's a lot to, to live up to. So that's very cool. Yeah, that's not surprising, though. That's okay. that, that's not surprising to me. It was, it was surprising to me, so. I mean, I dare say Moonlight writes itself a little bit, especially when you introduce so much symbolism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it starts the the puzzle pieces kind of fall together. I think a little bit more obvious if you can see it. I guess if you can kind of see that, and he obviously could. So that I think that's yeah. I thought you were gonna say years too. That if Bill Street could talk, I almost said walk. <laughs> it, that it took him years to write, which is I don't I don't <laughs> I hate to say it, but if a script takes you years to write, you should throw it away. Damn. If it takes you years shots. to get made and like to get funding and stuff, that's whatever. That's the logistics of it all. But if you're having, if you're writing this thing for years, like maybe, maybe two years max, throw it away. Start over. You can use some of the same elements, of course, but just start over so from scratch. Because right. right, I don't think you have a proper vision. That's, you're, I mean, you're too mixed yeah, up. That's true. That's yeah. very true. In this same interview, um, it was Barry Jenkins and um, some of the cast. It was Tish, Bonnie, and then both sets of parents. And it was a very nice interview because they had a lot of chemistry. And I always like when I watch these interviews and the cast has chemistry. I've seen some very awkward ones with very forced jokes or someone calls something out that maybe the other person didn't want to get called out. And um, you you could just tell there was a lot of uh, love there for each other. Because even when Barry said that it took him 10 days to write the script for Moonlight, um, the mom, Tish's mom, I don't know her um, actor's name, she was like, okay, wow. You know, like, brag about yourself. <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was just so cute and just... Like playful, a lot of laughing. That's yeah, awesome. So, yeah, that's I awesome. like that. I want to talk a little bit about when Tish told her parents about her pregnancy, mm-hmm. and really just her dad. In that, I liked his little micro evolution of being told that his little girl was pregnant, and he was just like, "Uh, like, uh, are you sure? You know, do you want to keep it? You know." <laughs> He's just being a dad, and it's just uh, that little performance probably reminded me most of Juan from from Moonlight, especially the first instance with with him and Chiron, and that just felt something really, something really concerned and charming and sweet about the whole thing, and how it just quickly was like, okay, you're you're cool with it. I'm cool with it. You know, I can't wait now. You know, just something really fun and natural about it. Like that a lot. That was 
that was that might have been my favorite scene, but I the one with Daniel is hard to hard to beat. Yeah, that scene when she tells him, it's a very, it's a very suspenseful scene because here she is, eighteen, nineteen. She's about to tell her parents she's pregnant with her boyfriend's kid. They're not married. And you don't know how they're going to react. Yeah, this is our introduction. We're our, our introduction to Tish's kid or to Tish's parents is when she's <laughs> fucking telling them that she's going to have a kid. It's like, this is the worst time to get to know, to, to get to know someone. Yes, <laughs> and I, I didn't know what I was going to expect. I mean, I, I was going to expect some anger and some yelling and no support because this is this is typical of not only teenage pregnancies but i'm assuming black families teenage pregnancies just how how angry parents can get and i mean i mean not only just black i mean in my family too you know and the, the hispanics the mexicans you're going your mom's going to yell at you call you stupid to ask you what the fuck you're going to do now. I mean, you know, they they can get crazy. And it didn't. And I think that's when this film really started speaking to me on the the unconditional love level. Because it's, it's not just love. It's unconditional love. And I, I, I loved it. And then the dad's reaction. How, yeah, it went from, are you sure? Do you want to keep it? It happened when you were apartment hunting, didn't it? To all right, we're gonna support you. We're let's let's get everyone over here. Let's tell everybody. Let's have have some. Let's have a party. And then before uh, Frank and Alice get there, there's this little quick scene with Joseph and Sharon dancing. I mean that that scene is like what ten seconds. And they're just dancing. And I think uh, the sister is like, you guys need to get a room. And he's like, we're just dancing. And just, ah, just that, that intimacy there. And just how happy they are for, you know, welcoming new life. That's a good scene. A good scene. Yes, sir. Well, it says here that Regina King, that's the mom. That's Tisha's mom. Yes, that's her name. She won for best supporting actress oh at the Oscars. that's awesome and then it was nominated for you know a bunch of other stuff so that's cool that is cool good job if bill street could talk cast <laughs> when are we gonna get my boy brian tyree henry uh oscar for real he's in enough things now just saying yeah he's in enough really excellent things actually he's i, I don't know maybe he's got an emmy for atlanta i'm not really sure but oh. I think he's in a movie called Outcast, I think, where he's, I think it came out last year, and it's supposedly really good. We'll watch that. He's the main character in that one. Is he our Black Leo? Maybe he's our Black Leo. Yeah. Maybe he's got to do... He's got to crawl inside of a fucking bear. Yes, he does. All right. Obviously. <laughs> what do you think of Pedro Pascal showing up? He looked really off, didn't he? He was, like, really white. Did he? He I, looked weird, right? I thought he looked like a, a great Puerto Rican. Is that what was going on? He they, they paled him up a little bit so he could a little more look a little more Puerto Rican. Is that it? Yeah. Oh that maybe. That must be what it is. That must be what it was. Because I was like, he's not that white. <laughs> <laughs> they pasted him up a little bit. 
I like that. I I like I like when some of these renowned actors are just placed in a movie like yeah. that. And I mean even James Franco made no. David Franco. David Franco made an appearance here as a Jewish landlord <laughs> of all things. Which is funny. Yeah, which is funny, which you know, he he's he just loves love. Which is such a David Franco thing for him to say. Yeah, I feel like it's a sign of letting go of your ego and I think it's I think it's only a compliment you can give to the world and to yourself, kind of two-way compliment when you take s- such tiny roles in whatever production. I think that's cool cuz you never see a Leo do this. That's true. And I'm I like sure that. Leo's a egomaniac, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know, but I have never seen him in a small role. Yeah. So, yeah. That's interesting. Pedro Pascal is just in love with being, you know, the the it guy right now. He thinks it's insane and <laughs> fun and, you know, he's he seems like a really cool guy. Yeah. I'm I, glad he's in this. I think I told you about that interview where uh, the interviewer tells him that people are calling him a daddy and he's like, He's kind of like, what? And then he's like, all right, I'll be your daddy. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, thank you for watching this film with me. I I believe I appreciate this movie even more now after talking about it. Good. It's it's deserves some extra thought. It's just hard to give that extra thought when you're not in love with the movie. Yeah. Yeah, when your you know, main character didn't leave their partner, of course. Exactly. I wanted... <laughs> I wouldn't Fonny the fucking die in prison. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm so sorry that uh and then there I was w- love here. <laughs> and then I wanted Tish I wanted some time to go by where the kid started asking about her his dad and then I wanted Tish to tell him what happened. <laughs> well your dad got beat up in prison and killed. <laughs> That's uh, what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, and do you have a budget guess for me though? I do. My budget guess is 10 million because that was my original guess for moonlight but uh no that one was like a million but after the fame of moonlight i imagine this went up a bit so i'm like okay five million maybe but then we have some uh very s tiers a tiers actors um uh, i'm thinking of the parents really yeah i don't know what all they're in Regina King is an Oscar-winning actress, so... And then Dave Dave Franco is a known Yeah, name. I'd say he's A-tier. I think, I, I guess maybe maybe the major qualifier of an S-tier is maybe an award, a major award-winning actor. Okay, so we have some A's and some S's, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, so that kind of bumped up Sure. my yeah. quality, but my budget number, the yeah. quality of this of cast so i went with 10 yeah well that's a good guess because it says here that it was 12 million <gasps> yeah so they uh, demanded quite a bit more money it's kind of funny because it's really not that much more production wise all that ambitious than moonlight i would i would actually even say maybe no it's probably about the same it's just it's so it's kind of surprising that it's that high well we have a lot of sets here we have different apartments we have a lot of streets i mean the mom went to puerto rico i doubt she actually went to puerto rico 
Yeah, definitely not. But then we had to bring that in. And with um, Moonlight, I feel like there wasn't a whole lot of walking around and different settings. It was his place, Kevin's place, his grown-ups, and uh, Juan's place, the beach, which the beach is free. <laughs> <laughs> Not for a film crew. Oh. They got to get licenses and stuff. Oh, okay. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. I can see that. I can see that. Oh, well, unfortunately, he didn't make as much money, though. No. Made $20.6 million, so. No. It did okay. Did okay. That's okay. Yeah, that's that's okay. That's <sighs> it deserves more. All right, by the look of your face, it doesn't deserve more. Because I would imagine, you know, Pedro Pascal. He at this point he was on the rise. He wasn't as big as he is today. And then Regina King, like, uh, are they asking for a lot of money in this kind of movie, or do they know that it's just not going to demand all that much? So they're like, all right, we'll take, you know, five hundred thousand dollars or whatever. So I don't I don't know. It's I mean, hopefully they're uh they're the latter. Yeah, thank you for watching this movie and more importantly, thank you for talking about this film with me today. You're welcome. Thank you for showing me this movie. I don't think I would have ever watched this if you wouldn't have uh made me. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> you can thank Moonlight cuz that's that's why we watched it. <laughs> cuz of Moonlight. Originally the pick was going to be la la land because of oh, thank God. the oscar mix-up but remember you can catch us every monday wednesday and friday for brand new episodes of the film of steins over on patreon spotify pandora google podcasts apple podcasts all the goods the goods but until next time take care bye 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 and that's a wrap for today's episode of The Film of Steins. Thanks for tuning in and joining us on our cinematic journey. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and gained some new insights and perspectives on the world of movies. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, especially Patreon at patreon.com slash And follow us on social media for more film-related content. We love hearing from our listeners. So if you have any feedback, suggestions, movie recommendations, or book recommendations, please feel free to reach out to us. Until next time, keep watching and keep loving the magic of movies. This is the Film of Steins signing off.